Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. For many years in Gaston County, North Carolina, just west of Charlotte, there was a local tradition on Friday or Saturday night. Get the whole family in the car and head to the fish camp. A fish camp is not what it sounds like. You don't fish there. You don't camp there. Instead, it's a place to eat. A simple, family-owned seafood restaurant. And for much of the 20th century, these restaurants were a centerpiece of family life and social life. You're listening to Gravy. 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 Stories of the changing American South through the foods we eat. We're a production of the Southern Foodways Alliance, and I'm Mary Helen Montgomery, filling in for Tina Antolini. Today, a story of fried fish, small-town community, and the textile industry. We travel to the heart of American cotton production in the 20th century, and we visit a place where workers could take a break and relax with friends, family, and fish. At lots of restaurants, the term family-friendly basically means that there's a kid's menu. But at Twin Tops Fish Camp, family-friendly goes way beyond the chicken fingers. The restaurant in Gastonia, North Carolina, has been run by the same family for three generations. Some of the wait staff are related, too. My daughter started working here. My son started working here. I started working here. My son quit. My daughter quit, and I'm still here. And when you look around the tables in the dining room, they, too, seem to be filled with families. Sister, 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 husband. And my son-in-law. And those are my nieces and nephews. Most of the diners are here to spend time with relatives. And of course, they're here for the mound of brown, as some call it. Large helpings of hush puppies and deep-fried seafood. It's Friday night, and back in the kitchen, things are picking up. Robert Lowry stands on a layer of grease-stained cardboard and lowers a basket of breaded shrimp into hot oil. What does it look like when it's done? Real golden brown. When it turns golden brown, it's ready. Another second, it's ready. Lowry lifts out the wire basket full of sizzling fried shrimp. This is what Twin Tops is known for. Seafood that's crispy, not greasy. Another thing the restaurant is known for is the history. The menu hasn't changed much in 50 years, and neither has the decor. The aesthetic inside Twin Tops is from a different era. It's tan booth seating with marbled plastic tables, exposed fluorescent light bulbs. A giant mural of the ocean is painted on the cinder block wall in the back of the restaurant. Other walls are wood-paneled and decorated with big plastic fish. Some of the employees are fixtures here, too. Marcel Beatty is 84. She's been working here since the 1970s. She puts the order in for one table. I need two hash puppies, please. Make it three, Lauren. And starts getting another table ready for a family that should be here soon. In about 15 minutes. Okay. The regulars. You could call Twin Tops a seafood restaurant. But around here, there's a special name for this kind of place. This is a fish camp. The origin of the term fish camp is local lore. The story usually goes something like how Debbie Rogers Peretz tells it. She's a native of Gaston County. It all started back many, many years ago. 
and on the side of a river. People would get together to catch fish. Then they would just decided that they would uh, put a tent. A camp. And then next thing you know, they were throwing sawdust on the floor. And then... Somebody got the idea. Hey, we can make some money doing this. So hence the fish camps. As the story goes, these camps eventually turned into proper buildings where anyone could come eat. They always kept their rustic feel, though, so the name fish camp stuck. And as someone else in the business told me, it's more interesting to go to a fish camp than just a regular old seafood restaurant. The other unusual thing about fish camps in Gaston County is that for many years, there were tons of them here. These days, thanks to shipping and refrigeration, you can find fried seafood restaurants pretty much anywhere in the country. But for a period of time in Gaston County, there were dozens of them in close proximity. To really understand how fish camps started and why there were so many in Gaston County, you have to understand something else first. The industry that powered this region for so many years and the culture it created. Gaston County is particularly important because it was at one time um, probably the largest concentration of, of textile mills, of cotton mills, um, in the South and almost certainly in, in the country. Elijah Gaddis is a folklorist and cultural historian at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. He says that the textile industry began in Gaston County after the Civil War and really picked up at the turn of the century. By 1920 or so, there were, I don't know, 110 cotton mills or something like that in the county alone. The mills here became known for a process called combing, or removing the short fibers in order to make a fine cloth good enough for sheeting. By producing these high thread count fabrics, Gaston County earned a nickname. The combed cotton capital of the world. Mills here produce fabric for towels, too. And the biggest mill in the county made something that people don't often think of as a textile, tire fabric and tire cord. There were lots of jobs to do in the mills and in the villages that popped up around them. So people left their lives as farmers in the mountains of North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Georgia, and they came to work in Gaston County. Life in the mill villages was different than life on the farm. A new kind of music emerged, mill music, sort of a hybrid of mountain music and jazz. Mill workers would gather for dances and baseball games, and they would go fishing. You can look even at some of the mill newspapers. There's often an entire page filled with who's caught the largest fish. I don't think it was a way of feeding a family necessarily. It was a way of enjoying yourself. You know, one of the ways to, to sort of have fun when you didn't have a ton of money. People would catch fish together and fry them up outside, right near the riverbank. It was actually a big shift, this new practice of dining out. In their former lives as farmers, these mill workers would have grown or raised their own food and prepared it at home. But now... They're not only um, going to stores and buying a lot of the, the food that they're consuming, um, but because now they're also functioning in a cash economy, they're increasingly um, going outside of the home for cooking. Don Leinberger grew up in the 1930s and 40s on the South Fork of the Catawba River. He lived in Cramerton, home to Cramerton Mills. His parents, Luther and Stella Leinberger, started one of the very first fish camps. The origin came out of living, these textile mill people living right there on the river. My father was working uh, in the textile mills. He worked on the, on the third shift for 
uh, 19 years, and mother worked on the second shift. Lineberger remembers that the men of Cramerton used to seine in the river for fish. And you, you were asking about that word. Another word you could use is netting, but we call it seining because they'd have a long uh, seine that they would, one would get basically on one side of the river and because the rivers were narrow and the other on the other side. Catfish and carp would swim right into the seine. And, uh, and Dad was a good cook, and he'd ask him to cook for them. They had the fishing part down, but still wanted a place to eat and socialize. One of the Lineberger's friends had a solution. He tore down an old log barn at his homestead and rebuilt it as a hut by the river. Lineberger was a kid back in those days. He remembers that his parents and their friends would have a big time eating fish in that hut by the river. And soon, word spread. Daddy would cook for the clubs and the masons and uh, and so forth, and it just got to where uh, he was had such a demand for people wanting to wanting to have uh, seafood that uh, it, it just began to grow and multiply. So Luther and Stella Leinberger decided to open their own place. They moved the operation to a plot of land not too far away. It was a simple setup: an outdoor fireplace with a big copper pot and frying pan. Leinberger's fish fry was now open for business. This was the late 1940s. And then it got to where there was so many people coming in into the winter, we had to enclose it. Even when Lineburgers became an actual building, they kept the rustic feel of the place. It had a dirt floor covered with cedar shavings and simple wooden tables and benches. The Lineburgers even went out of their way to keep the place feeling like a cabin. They would blowtorch the wood surfaces to give them a tarnished look. This was no upscale seafood restaurant after all. This was a fish camp. The Lineburgers could no longer catch enough catfish in the river to fill demand, so they had it shipped in from other parts of the state. They added shrimp and flounder to the menu, which would come by train from the Virginia coast. By the 1960s, Lineburgers fish fry had become a Gaston County landmark. On a Friday or Saturday night, hundreds of people would show up for dinner. I'm sitting with Don Leinberger in his living room, in front of a milk crate full of old photographs and newspaper clippings. He pulls out a photo that shows a long line outside of his family's fish camp. This is a picture that was very typical. If I had to guess, I'd say there were probably uh, 200 or so people right there in that line. Right here, Saturday night, we would have so many people. I mean, we would feed thousand people on the weekends. Traffic could get so jammed up on the weekends that the highway patrol came in to direct cars. Others saw what Lineberger's fish fry was doing and wanted in on the action. Dozens of fish camps opened in the area. Stowe's, Graham's, Queen's. And they had an appeal that reached far beyond the textile community. People regularly came from Charlotte, which was about half an hour away. There were even people who would drive more than 100 miles from Greensboro or Asheville, North Carolina, just to eat at a fish camp. In 1968, Howard Smith, known as Benny, opened Twin Tops. His son ran the place for many years after Benny retired. His name was Howard Smith, too. My nickname's Howdy. That's what people calls me, Howdy. Smith says that back when there were more fish camps open, lots of them were located right next to each other. There were six within a mile radius of Twin Tops. And their menus were pretty much the same. Fried catfish, fried flounder, fried shrimp. 
hush puppies. You know, if one of us would run out of something on a Friday or Saturday night, we could always just go to borrow it from the, our competitor <laughs> right across the street, basically. Yeah, we were all good friends. Uh, basically served the same food, too. The fish camp owners didn't worry much about competition with each other because they all had their own customer base. Every family had a favorite fish camp. That's the reason so many fish camps could coexist over the years, even when they had very similar menus and were located across the street from each other. Debbie Rogers Peretz remembers when she was growing up in the 1950s. On a Friday night, it was football, and uh, either you went to um, the fish camp before or after. Or on Saturday night, fish camps for sure. It was usually Peretz and her mom, dad, grandmother, aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody pile up in a truck or in a car or something. We're all going to the fish camp. Every Friday or Saturday night, you just knew that's where you were going to go. It was as routine as going to church on Sunday morning. Yes, and those same folks that were in church, nine times out of ten, they're going to be going to the fish camp too. <laughs> For Debbie's family, it was almost always Twin Tops. She loved that everyone knew each other there. And you talk about loud. Oh, my goodness. That's why when you go into a fish camp, it's just chatter, 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 but it's such a sweet sound. You'd get used to seeing the same people every weekend. And if you noticed that a family was missing, you'd just ask your waitress. Oh, where's the Smiths? Um, I heard that they have uh, someone uh, has passed in their family, or they had gone to the beach. I mean, it's it's like a little small community. Going to a fish camp was just part of the local culture. Don Leinberger says that that community spirit all started with the first patrons, the textile workers. In the 60s, 70s, and 80s, business was good for fish camps. It wasn't just mill workers eating at the restaurants anymore. It was everyone. It, It was just part of the integration of the tradition of life at that time. But as dedicated as the people of Gaston County were to their fish camps, something would happen in the 1980s that would change that. We'll hear about what happened in just a moment. Three generations have worked to build Simmons farm-raised catfish in Yazoo City, Mississippi. The family is proud to say that their business controls every aspect of production, from raising catfish in the ponds to processing them in their own facility and delivering them directly to customers. The company takes pride in their product and they're committed to sustainability. So whether you're a home cook or a professional chef looking for kitchen inspiration, visit SimmonsCatfish.com to find dozens of recipes. Enjoy catfish tacos or poached catfish with mango salsa. No matter your choice, Simmons farm-raised catfish will make the dish delicious. Hi, it's Melissa, and if you're looking for another great podcast from the South, then you have to check out No Small Endeavor, produced by our friends at Great Feeling Studios and PRX. Each episode, award-winning professor and Nashville native Lee C. Camp merges the worlds of philosophy, theology, the arts, and more to ask the question, how can we live a good life while nourishing the soul? Plus, it's the only show I know that features everyone from legendary actor and filmmaker Rob Reiner to Southern activist and author Anthony Ray Hinton. So go ahead, follow No Small Endeavor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and tell them Gravy Said Hey! 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. We're back in Gaston County. For so many years, it seemed like fish camps were everywhere here. Ben and Howdy Smith estimate there were 35 or 40 fish camps in Gaston County at one time. But something happened in 1985 that was a huge blow to the fish camps. The county seat, Gastonia, passed a law that allowed for liquor by the drink in the city. Suddenly, tons of restaurants were opening up. Back in the 60s and 70s, uh, that was before chain restaurants. And uh, when Gastonia got liquor by the drink, that brought, brought in all the chains. And that hurt our business, you know. It wasn't like the old days anymore. Before that, uh, on Friday and Saturday nights, people were lined up to get in the door. Every Friday and Saturday night, there'd be big lines Gastonia, the biggest city in the county, got liquor by the drink. But many of the fish camps were located in municipalities that were still dry, so they couldn't serve alcohol. Twin Tops is in a part of the county that is dry to this day. After so many new restaurants started opening in Gastonia, many of the fish camps started closing down. Some for financial troubles, Others closed because there was nobody in the family to take over the business. Even Limeburgers, the most famous of all the fish camps around here, shut its doors in 1998. The fish camps were less expensive than some of the chains, like Applebee's or Olive Garden. But with so many restaurants to choose from, regulars at the fish camps became less regular. Debbie Rogers Perrette says it wasn't just having other restaurant options that made people stop going to fish camps. It was also a shift in culture. When Debbie had children of her own, she kept the tradition going. But now, she says they don't go to Twin Tops as much. And we don't do it so much as we did um, when I was little, or they were little, because it seems like the grandchildren have things to do. You got t-ball, you got football, you got whatever's going on. Like people don't have as much time to go out with their family every week to eat a long meal? Exactly. Not like it was before. Around the time that new restaurants were opening and families started having busier schedules, something else was happening in Gaston County, too. The textile industry was moving overseas. In the 1970s, mills began to close. And in the early 80s, more than 10,000 mill workers in North Carolina lost their jobs. And by the 90s, most of the mills had shut down. Today, there are still a few mills in operation in Gaston County, but the vast majority of them have closed. Fish camps faced a similar demise. A handful are still open, but for the most part, fish camps lived and died with the textile industry. Twin Tops is one of the oldest fish camps that's still open today. Back on the dining room floor at Twin Tops, 
Marcel Beatty's regulars have arrived. A woman and her elderly mother walk into the dining room. Here they are, I think. This yes, is Thelma. Yeah. This is one we call Mama. Everybody, even the wait staff, calls Thelma Orbison Mama. She's an elderly woman here with her five younger relatives tonight. And even though they've only been inside Twin Tops for a moment, Mama is already at the center of a prank. She did it, not me. A waitress just pinched Vendora Martin and blamed it on Mama. <laughs> the six of them sit down and order. Martin asks Beatty about the flounder. Fresh tonight. Supposed to be. Okay, well, you know, I want the half-older order uh, broiled. When their whole flounder is fresh, broiled is wonderful. And it stays hot the whole time you're eating it. And it's so much. I get half an order and it fills me up. Beatty takes everyone's orders. Shrimp, flounder, sweet potatoes. Mama gets an order of the kids' chicken fingers. Everyone at the table has been coming to Twin Tops for a long time. Decades. Martin says that Twin Tops is their favorite fish camp. People think theirs is the best, but, you know, we don't live far from here and it it is the best for us. In some ways, your fish camp is kind of like your family or your football team. You don't love it because it's the best one. You love it because it's yours. Ben Smith has taken over running Twin Tops since his dad, Howdy, retired a few years ago. He says that customers come in all the time and tell him that they've been coming here since before he was born. He loves hearing that. Can you imagine just a world with no restaurants with any history and they were all just chain restaurants? I mean, it would just be, it'd be awful. Yeah, and I tell people, I just, I'm not trying to change it, you know? Mm-mm. I mean, I'm not trying to, no, you know, turn, I'm not trying to turn this place into a new restaurant. Debbie Rogers Peretz is someone who deeply appreciates the history of Twin Tops and the fact that it looks the same as when she was a kid. Even though she doesn't make it to Twin Tops as often as she used to, she cherishes the feeling that she gets every time she walks in the door. The memories flood in. You'll see, you'll see your family members as past in your mind's eye, and you're thinking, oh, we used to sit over there, or this is what she used to order, or this is what my dad used to order, or this is what my dad would say. And and do you remember what your dad used to order? Oh, flounder filet. And my mom would order a salt and pepper catfish. That was the thing. So I'd always get a mixture when I would go, because I wanted to be like my mom and my dad. (laughs) That's really cute. (laughs) And what do you order now? Salt and pepper catfish and flounder filet. Absolutely. They have the best flounder filet and the salt and pepper catfish. Wonderful. They're good. It brings a flood of memories in. That might be why I like to go back to. I feel like it's my, my old home place. Eating at a fish camp is a ritual. Like Debbie Rogers Peretz, you probably know what you're going to order before you sit down. You're not just there because you're hungry and it's dinner time. You're there to connect with something outside yourself, your family, the community, the old way of life. But you are hungry, and it is dinner time, and the salt and pepper catfish is hot and crispy and ready to eat. For Gravy, I'm Mary Helen Montgomery. The music in today's story was by Poddington Bear, David McCarn, and Dave Depper. 
When you buy clothes on easy terms, the collectors treat you like measly worms. One dollar down, and then Lord knows if you don't make a payment, they'll take your clothes. When you go to bed, you can't sleep. You owe so much at the end of the week. No use to collect, they're all that way. Pecking at your door till they get your pay. I'm a gun star, everybody will, cause you can't make a living at a cotton mill. The Southern Foodways Alliance appreciates all our podcast listeners. Whether you've just found gravy or have listened since the first episode, we hope you've liked our stories that showcase the South that is constantly evolving, receiving immigrants from across the world, adopting new traditions, and lovingly maintaining old ones. Check out the audio archive at southernfoodways.org to hear older episodes. And, while you're online, consider becoming an SFA member. SFA membership dollars support all our work, including this very podcast, Gravy. Twelve dollars a week is all we get. How in the heck can we live on that? I got a wife and 14 kids. We all have to sleep on two bedsteads. Patches on my bridges, holes in my hat. Ain't had a shave since the wife got fat. No use to collect every day at noon. The kids get to crying in a different tune. I'm a gun star, everybody will. Cause you can't make a living at a cotton mill.